What's up, everyone? Today on the podcast, I'm going deep with the snake boss, Julia Baker. Julia helped create the TV series she also starred in called Snake Boss, or around the world known as Snake Sheila. The show aired for two seasons on the Discovery Channel and Animal Planet. You can now find it streaming everywhere on Amazon Prime. On the podcast, we spoke about the show and how it all came about, sharing personal stories, pushing through tough times and backing yourself, how it's okay to try new things and fail on the way to finding your passion. It's all about enjoying the journey. Julia has a very infectious personality that shone through on the show and really came out on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I'm sure you will too. Please welcome the charismatic Julia Baker. You're now about to go deep with Dan Good. Julia, how are you going? I'm going very well. How are you? I'm oh, good, thank you. The Snake Boss TV series. Why don't you run us through it a little bit? <laughs> a bit about the Snake Boss. Well, first of all, we didn't actually pitch it as the Snake Boss. Okay. We did pitch the show as Snake Sheila. <laughs> Snake Sheila. I did see that on the poster, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And it actually did um, air as Snake Sheila around the world, apart from in Australia. Okay, funny because, that. Because um, Discovery Channel, well, they weren't too keen on the... Um, the name Sheila, so they changed it to Snake Boss. But actually now I quite like it. I'm not the boss, though. Anybody will tell you that I'm not the boss of anything or anybody. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, Sheila is obviously an Australian thing, isn't it? So yeah. we're the rest of the world with Snake Boss. Yeah. How was it received for them? Oh, very, very good. So um, coming back to your question, um, about the series. Basically, I was working as a snake catcher, but I also had a dream of being on telly and okay. um, I, I went down the path of the acting career first and then found out that I'm actually pretty shit at acting, so <laughs> that, that wasn't going to work. Um, but I've always been an entertainer, so I've done puppet shows for a long, long time now. I do Punch and Judy puppet shows. Okay. And that's what I really like doing. I don't like learning lines and being somebody else I actually prefer just to be myself yeah. so it was a combination of me working as a snake catcher and me wanting to entertain and me wanting to be on telly and going for auditions um not getting anywhere really in the acting world and then I this I just had this idea I thought you know what there's there's a formula and everything that that succeeds and the formula for tv you've got to have stakes in it you've got to have emotions in it and for me what was really really important was also getting a message out there so it just brought all that magic together and it was the highest and I believe it still has got the highest ratings ever for Discovery for Animal Planet Discovery Channel in Australia oh, highest wow. ratings ever that's and amazing. they put that media out not me yeah so they actually put that out yeah well that's wicked Did very very well and so it aired um season one season two aired in about 160 countries around the world um, at the moment, it's on Amazon Prime, so anybody can watch okay, it Okay, so we can yes. still see it. Yeah, yes, absolutely. It. It's going gangbusters in America. Okay, well, given the COVID and the lockdown, they want to see something. Yes. Yeah, I've seen a few of the clips, uh, YouTube clips, obviously, in the trailers for the seasons and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was very impressed. Snakes oh, are a little, you. like, from a Kiwi's perspective coming over to Australia, snakes are always the things that we're a little scared of. Yeah. <laughs> and the drop ears, of course, that they try to have you on about. Yeah, and the, the hoop snakes, which which actually a bandy bandy does make hoops. So it, it doesn't take its tail in its mouth. Because you, you've heard the myth about hoop snakes. No, I haven't no, heard so that Just one. like drop bears. Yeah. A lot of Aussies will tell you we've got hoop snakes and they're very, very dangerous and they will take their tail in the mouth and form a hoop and then they'll roll towards you <laughs> and they'll... they'll that's how they attack you, apparently. So it doesn't exist, but there is a snake that will make hoops 
It's called Bandy Bandy. Bandy Bandy. Bandy Bandy. And it makes two. It's a black and a white striped snake. It's only a little one. You Very rare that you see them, actually. And if it feels threatened, it will make hoops with its body to wow. appear bigger. Okay. And, and just to predators. scare you off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it cool. doesn't, doesn't literally roll no, towards you. it doesn't roll you. with it. It no, just makes hoops. Sounds like a cartoon so character yeah. you'd see in Wile E. Coyote or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's 160 countries airing. That, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, it did really well. So it aired on, that was on Discovery Channel and then yep. it went to Pit TV in the UK. So it was okay. on um, Free to Air um, and it went to TV4 in Sweden and then a Thai um, network. Um, and then it was on a private network in America, but now it's on Amazon. And I can always tell where it is because I get messages from people from that country. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so originally, yeah, when it first came out, it was really, really cool because I'd get lots and lots of messages from Turkey and um, um, actually countries I'd never heard of as well. So that was like pretty cool. Yeah, it was good Dubai, to get those fans. Yeah. a lot of Latin America. They loved it in Venezuela and um, some of the countries there. So, yeah. so what do you think the appeal was for them is they didn't really know much about Australia other than the fact that there were snakes there and they were attracted to that sort of thing? Or do you think it was more your character on the show playing yourself? It's quite vibrant when I see it, like up the yeah. tree, getting the snakes out. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go from the feedback that I get yeah. and the feedback that I get from the viewers is um, the kids. Absolutely. I mean, it's gone gangbusters with kids, young yeah. kids what watch it over and over and over and over again. They're fascinated with everything, I guess. Um, for the adults, I have to say there must be a, a big appeal in myself and my husband, of course, because he's yeah. a big part on the show and the dog, yeah. because majority of them say to me, we watched your show only because the kids insisted we didn't like snakes. In <laughs> fact, I have so many people that write to me and say, I was terrified of snakes until I watched your show. And I think the fact that a female's doing it, and I think this is, it, it's really important that we do get more female presenters on telly because yeah. it, it just shines a different light. Um, it's not better or anything, it's just, different mm. and I think we we need that on TV because if all you're going to see is men with animals especially what's perceived to be dangerous animals then we're never going to get rid of the fear and the hate and so for me that was really important that that people can see that you know yes of course snakes are dangerous but they're not horrible or disgusting they're not out there to kill anybody and I think when you throw a woman in there that's catching the snakes like, oh. and I'm a little bit more nurturing I guess you know a man would go oh there's a snake put it in the bag where I'm like oh look it's so cute sweetheart <laughs> darling and I'm like yeah it might be sound a bit cheesy but hey you know it, it just puts the snakes in a different light yeah yeah well I actually noticed that on a few of the episodes that I've seen that uh there's a lot of males are the ones that have put the ru rubbish uh sorry the the trash can over top of the snake yeah. and scared of it and they don't want to go anywhere near it and you're coming in there straight and gangbusters oh yeah shit. but if that was a spider a cockroach man oh, i'd okay. be screaming like a big girl oh, really? I, i'm fine with snakes but not with insects no, creepy actually you, you know i have to say my favorite customers when we go for call outs are kiwis like yourself because you're honest about your you've been scared you, yeah. you don't make i've been to households and there's been maoris in there and the big big men you know and they're up on the kitchen bench you know <laughs> and, and and they're not scared to show this that they're scared yeah you they know? don't want to go near it yeah yeah where else if i turn up to a household an australian household Quite often the man will say, oh, I was just going to do that myself, you know. And the woman's going, no, he wasn't. He was screaming a minute ago. <laughs> or they'll want to step in and help me. They, they, they don't feel like I can do it by myself. Oh, really? But Kiwi's, nah, you guys are honest about it. Yeah, being, pretty straight up. Yeah, yeah, you're like, nah, fuck, I'm not touching this. I'm terrified no, to do it. it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, well, it's a thing. Like, I, I would check everywhere I go when I first came over here. If I'm, like, out in the bush, like, walking around or, like, you know, the yeah. mountains and the wetlands and everything, really? be, like, noticing everywhere you step just in case there's a, there's a snake. Maybe I'm just 
over overthinking it all the time, but I think that's what it naturally is because you, you're scared of it because you hear all the stories yeah. and, and the big spiders and everything else, which I will say the insects are probably about three or four times larger than what they are back home, some of them, but yeah. like the spiders, for example. Yes. But um, yeah, the snakes, you, you very rarely see them though. Like you, you think, obviously we're in the city here a bit, so you don't see them too much, but I was living over in Kenmore over the west side there and there'll be the odd, um, is it the, the green snakes? that tree like snakes, call it, yeah. yeah, tree snakes like coming along the fence line and things like yeah. that. But, you know, they're they far more scared of you than you are yeah, of them. They're totally harmless anyhow, yeah. yeah. Actually, my, my husband, because he's from Scotland, and before I met him, he was the same. He wouldn't walk on long grass. He was yeah. terrified. And then uh, our very first date that we had, where it was meeting because we met on Plenty of Fish. Okay. And then PLF, uh, we yeah. met in real life, yeah. And um, I invited him back to the house. We'd, we'd gone to a car show and we'd gone to the movies and I already knew that I, I, I fancied him rotten and I thought, I'm not going to let him go without having a snog, you know. I thought, <laughs> I'm going to get a kiss in. So, um, and he was just going to drop me off at the car park at the IGA where we met because he obviously didn't want me to feel endangered or anything. Oh, no, 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 come on. And now, you can only say this as a woman. I said to him, do you want to come inside and meet my pet snake? Right. <laughs> and he was like, oh, Yeah. I'd never seen a snake before. Like, he was quite excited. So he came in and um, we looked at the, you know, snake in the enclosure. I didn't bring him out, but the second time he came around, I thought, I've got to test him because I wasn't going to give up my snakes. And I knew that if I was going to be with a new man, he had to be all right about snakes. Yeah. They were not going to go anywhere. Snakes you know, now I'd found this. Life, yeah. Well, they were after my divorce, you yeah, know. I mean, okay. I, I found this passion. I'm not going to let go of that. So I, I, had, I only had two snakes at the time. One was my daughter's. So I've got this big black and gold jungle python. And I thought, right, I'll test him. So I've got him around my shoulders yeah. and I open up the door and I'm all dressed up. We were going to go to the sit-down comedy club and I'm all dressed up. And um, and he didn't bat an eyelid, nothing. And I thought, oh, this is brilliant. He's so brave. He's wonderful, this man. We walked in and brought him inside and then the phone rang and it was a, a call-out, a snake call-out. And he knew that I was a snake catcher. So I said, uh, turned around and said, oh, do, you, do you fancy going on a snake call-out on the way to the sit-down comedy club. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, all right, that's something a bit different. I said, right, hold this while I go get changed. And I took Jesse <laughs> and I just literally threw him around Johnny's shoulders. And I didn't realise, he, he told me later on, he never even saw the snake. He had no idea I had a snake on me. Because he was just foot. focused on you yeah, the whole he was, time. he was perving at my legs, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 and I've walked off and left this poor man with a big jungle python around his shoulders. I thought he was cool about Ooh. it. And he just, he froze, he froze. And I came back, I said, you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> and he never let on, he told me, it was a while afterwards, he said, you know, I didn't actually see that you had a snake. But he was fine. He was fine about it. And then, of course, every time he'd come around, my daughters would take great pleasure in shoving Jesse up his pants and down his shirt and things oh, like God. that. So eventually, you know, and then my very first Christmas present, I bought him a big bread light python called Jack. So he had his own pet snake. And then he... he trained up as a snake catcher as well and joined, you know, and then... Joined you on the, the show, yeah. Yeah, but the show came a lot later. Yeah. So we, I'd been a snake catcher for a while okay. by the stage, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's a hell of an introduction to a first yeah, date, isn't it? Just yeah, thrust yeah. into it. Yeah. So how did you go actually on the call out then? That's what I want to know. What, um, I think it actually got called off. We were on the way and then he called me back and I think the snake had disappeared. So he didn't get to, okay. get to go... But he went with me, so he he had his son still here. His okay. um, ex had gone back to Scotland and his son was still here. Um, and we sort of met for the first time. So my girls knew about him before his son knew. And then, you know, we, we all got together as a big family. We went up to Mount Kufa and we had a call out. I got a call out. No, we were at Peachy Markets. So I got a call out to go to Mount Kufa. 
So he, I impressed him a lot because he came with me and it was a big python in the bushes and I pulled out this python and um, I got brownie points with my stepson straight up. Yeah, that, and the fact that I did have a big motorbike helped as well. I, I've seen that on the show, Harley <laughs> Don't have Davidson. It no, it's not Harley. Oh, was I wish. It wasn't it's a Harley? Yamaha V-Star. Oh, okay, I okay. wish, I wish. With the little sidecar that yeah. um, he rides around and rides yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I bought that for the girls, actually. I bought that for my daughters. Okay. So Because what happened was after the divorce, and I wrote Bucket List, one of the first things I did was get my motorbike licence because I've always fancied riding motorbikes. And we were doing shared care. So the girls were living with me for a week and then with the dad for a week, um, which was great, actually. Once you get used to it, I, I advised everybody to do it. I thought it was great fun because I got to, you know, explore myself on the weeks that I didn't have the girls. And yeah. I joined Ulysses, which is a motorbike group for old people, <laughs> older people. <laughs> You're meant to be over 50, but they let me join. Um, but they said it's, it's only because they needed somebody to help them up on the bikes. <laughs> which is not true at all. Somebody They're very fit. They're very fit people. <laughs> so I, I was this biker chick for one week and then a mother the next week. Um, then after two and a half years, um, the ex decided not to do it anymore. So the girls came with me full time and I kind of looked at my motorbike and went, I can't go out anymore. Oh, no. And I thought, well, with two kids, you can't, you can only take one on the back. Yeah, yeah. So I had this bizarre idea of getting a sidecar and I, 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 I kid you not, this is the truth. I had $1,500 in the bank. I was single mum. It's way before I met John or anybody like that. Yeah. And um, I had to look online and the only way I could see myself getting a sidecar, because they're very rare, would be to build one in Melbourne and that would be $10,000. which Custom built, yeah. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. So I did what I do best is I write my goal, I write it down, I print it and I put it on the fridge and I think about it a lot. I visualise, actually, I go a step beyond that. I visualise it. Yeah. So every time I was, I had a van I used to have drive a van because I had all my puppet stuff in the back. Yeah. And my girls would sit next to me in the bench, you know, sort of bench seat. And in my head, I would visualise myself riding the motorbike with the girls in a sidecar, goggles on and scarf and laughing, all that. And I would be so excited. And I kid you not, two weeks later, there was a sidecar on eBay, a two-seater for $1,500 in the exact same colour as my motorbike. And I bought it and I got it shipped up and I, I, I got an engineer to properly, you know, he had to put brackets on my motorbike yeah. and put it all in there. And my daughters went in it once. And then they went, no, everybody's staring at us. Oh, we can't no. do this. And it was like, great, now I've got this sidecar. So <laughs> poor Johnny, you've got to get in the sidecar. When I met John, so, and John's got no ego. He doesn't care. He says, I look like Mr Bean with the helmet on him, but I don't <laughs> care. Sometimes he'd fall asleep in the sidecar too, so. Oh, well, you must be a nice, calm driver then. Yeah, I know, but it cramps your style. It's not cool having somebody snoring in the sidecar, well, that, okay, you know? that's true, yeah. Cool. It looks very impressive when you pull up on the show to go catch a snake and yeah. then, um, yeah, you got a sidecar with your husband yeah. in it and you're driving around in it. And it is fun. Yeah. It is fun. I uh, know, yeah. motorbikes are always fun. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, okay, so more about the show then. Mm -hmm. What was one of the more thrilling captures for you? Or is it, is it very calming for you to catch a snake or is it, do you get excited about it? Because I've yes, seen the parts that I've seen you have, you're just straight up the tree and the few, the big python that I saw yeah. you get out of the tree. Yeah, what, what was one of the episodes that really um, got you? Oh, I tell you what, the, the, the most thrilling and the best call-outs I had, and it, 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 and it was actually one of the call-outs, there was two Eastern Browns, they were mating in Petrie in the new estate and there's loads of kids around and, 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 things, and so they were mating. Now, we'd already filmed season 
one. Okay. And the Inside Story did an episode on me, which is similar to 60 Minutes. Yeah. So they did an episode on me and obviously they spent a week with me and they wanted to go on some call-outs and we got this call-out for this two Eastern Browns in Petrie. Now, I'd done some training with Bob Irwin, uh, you know, catching venomous snakes by hand and you, you sort of lift them up, you know, by the tail and, you know, there's, certain, there's a certain strategy to use. Yeah. But Bob Irwin said to me, if you lift up an Eastern Brown or, you know, a venomous snake and it's so long that it can still, it's still on the floor, it's resting on the floor and your arm can't go any further up, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it because they can kind of launch themselves at you from the floor, you know. Anyhow, um, so for the inside story, we, we, we managed, we got there and one of the snakes shot off and the other one was, um, it went into a rock wall and I, 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 I saw its tail go in there and I pulled it, I started pulling it out and I'm pulling and pulling and this bloody thing got bigger and bigger. It was huge. And they're filming and I'm like, well, I'm going to keep going, you know, I'm going to let go now. And I pulled it out and, and it's exactly how Bob Erdwin said. I held the tail up and its body was easily oh. still on the floor and it launched itself. And it's all on camera. It's, it's in the episode in that inside story. You can see it. So it kind of bounced off the floor and what, it had a episode? snap. What it's if... on the inside story. Oh, so, it's on the inside um, story. Yeah, I don't know if you can, if that's still online. Oh, we've got Tristan here to pull it up. He's got it right there, possibly. No, that's, 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 um, but that's not the inside story. Okay. Yeah, the inside we'll story was it. Channel 9. No, it won't be on YouTube. Okay, Anyhow, well, it and, launched it. And, it, yeah. launched, and, it, and it, it, it snapped here, right, and I just went like that. But I couldn't get away from it. You, yeah. When a snake's so big that no matter how you hold it, it still can reach you, then, you know, it's... You look. Anyhow, and I kind of dropped it and then I picked it up again and got it in the bag. Um, and then that day I had to go home because I know my husband's really, you know, worried about me doing call-outs like that. And I had to tell him because I knew it was going to be on camera. I said, whoa, that was close. The scary part was not that it could have bitten me, it's where it would have bitten me. Because if you get bitten on your arm or your leg, you know, you, you put on the um, the bandage, you, you keep it nice and firm, you lay yeah. down, do nothing, the venom shouldn't travel, it's in your lymphatic system. But if it bites you in the chest, that's where all your organs are. That's pretty much instant Yeah, death. it goes straight to your heart with yeah. the venom. Because the Eastern Brown, the, the, oh, one of the go, most... Don't go into the too much tech. Technical stuff with the venom and that. I'm not an expert yeah, with that, okay. I'll be honest with you. But they are you. one of the most, they are the very The second venomous. most venomous yeah. snake in, in, in the world, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but they measure the venom on how many rats and mice it kills. So, oh, okay. I mean, that, it, look, it's, it's, yes, of course it's going to kill human beings. Yeah. But I always say if you're going to get bitten by a snake, do it in Australia, to tell you the truth, because the recovery is pretty good. And they've got the, all the anti-venoms, yeah, yeah because yeah. there's a lot of the snakes here in the world, yeah. Yeah, and and I, well, I just think the venom works differently. Um, if you get bitten by a cobra or a puffer or something like that, I mean, you they have to cut you because you, the swelling won't stop and you will split, like your flesh will split. Okay. So they have to cut you. It's I can't remember what it's called, but it, it gives you a release. Whereas in, in Australia, if you get bitten by an Eastern Brown, there's no pain associated with the venom. Um, so often people don't even know they've been bitten, you know, um, and then the symptoms sort of kick in after 20 minutes and by that stage you could have walked around and... And it could be a little too late. But having said that, look, it's free to four people die every yeah. year. Come on, okay. it's not even worth... No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what the, the, the snakes were mating when you got there or...? The two, the two snakes. Yes, yes. Uh, well, they were, they were, they were talking about it. So yeah. I, w I would say they would be very irritated by that. <laughs> yes, you and you know, you know which one. Have a guess which one is because I've had to break up mating 
Eastern Browns. Yeah. Have a guess which one is the most agitated. Well, would it would it be the male? No. No, is it not no, the female? Male doesn't give a shit. The oh. female. I've done. I've, I've had to break up a couple of them. And when I go and release them, the, the males just slivers off. Couldn't care. The female. Ooh. I I, I remember um, releasing two separate bags in the same spot because I thought, well, you know, you can get back to business. Yeah. Female came after me. She was not happy with me at all. She was really cranky. Male didn't care. He just left. Oh my god, it's freaking! I'm visualizing the snakes at the moment right now, and it's freaking. I know you love nightmares. People yeah. do. In fact, um, our sound guy from the series, because he's got a bit of a snake phobia, he wasn't too bad, but he didn't go anywhere near them. Wrong TV series. He, to be a yeah, part of. I know. And he had a on his week off. He went for a, a bush walk, and fought, convinced himself he had been bitten by a snake to the degree that they had to take him to the hospital, and it was a scratch from a twig. But because he'd been, you know, filming the snakes so much, even to the down to the fact that he was having symptoms, he was adamant he had been bitten by a snake. Nope, it was a twig. It's just a, in his head. It is throwing up thing. and everything. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, full the mind on is a powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you, you freaked him out from ever going on a TV series again, possibly. I think he really enjoyed it. Did actually. he? Yeah. Because yeah, that, that that was the great thing about the TV series. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And make it exciting, you know, that's for it sure. It is. I mean, it, it is very, very exciting. And it's also, um, it's, it's, I mean, not only is it exciting to see a snake that often, you know, because as you said, you don't normally ever see no, them. No, you don't, no. So as a snake catcher, you get to see them every day. And it, it, I mean, even if you don't like them, it's still exciting. So you, you were saying that um, you wanted to be an actress yes. or actor and you went and studied as well before the series? Yes, I did. So... Um, Basically, I used to be a pastry chef, so I, I didn't have a very exciting career in that case. I was very good at it, though. I did I did two apprenticeships in Germany. I did one as a baker and one in confectionery making. I dropped out of school when I was 16. I just hated school. Um, but I did very, very well in my trade certificates, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I found out I could get the Australian passport because I was born here. Okay. Mum and Dad actually emigrated out here, and then they went back after a couple of years. Okay. So I was like, oh, and I've always dreamt of Australia. So I came out to Sydney when I was 24, and I, I worked at the Hilton, and then I worked at a few other ANA hotel and a few other big five-star hotels. And then I met my ex-husband. We got married. We moved up here, and I worked at the Heritage here, which is now the Stanford Plaza. Okay. Yeah. Had my daughters. Um, lost a lot of weight. Um, decided that being a pastry chef, I would never keep my weight down. Not because not a good chef. A good chef, there's no such thing as a skinny good chef. Or, no, or if there is, he's very lucky or she's very <laughs> lucky. Most chefs, yeah, yeah especially pastry. Yeah. Um, so I lost a lot of weight and I became a Weight Watchers leader. Um, and then when, um, after my divorce, with the Weight Watchers, I met the snake catcher. So that's how I got into the snake catching. But where was I going to go with that now? I forgot. It's what just it where you started out before uh, and, yeah. and got into acting. Yes, and the acting, yeah. So I, I, and then I went through the divorce and my self-esteem was absolutely shot. I mean, it was – and I, I didn't want to take my low self-esteem to the next relationship. Yeah. I, I didn't I, – I, I, I knew I had to do something and the only way I could see to – build up my self-esteem was to get references. So I felt cool about myself. You have to take action. You've got to yeah. do stuff. You can say I'm cool as many times as you want, but if your brain has got no references, so I thought, okay, so I want to be cool. <laughs> what do you have to do to be cool? I thought, ride a motorbike. So I went and got my motorbike license, but I enjoyed it. So the, I didn't do it just for the cool factor. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, I, I, what about, you know, I've always loved snake. Nah, well, I won't say I've always loved snakes. I saw a snake at Australia Zoo when I was 36 and fell in love with it. So I thought I'll get a pet snake. And then I met a snake catcher and I thought, well, I could do some extra money. I love snakes. Why not? So it all kind of fell into place. Yeah. Um, something that I'd always wanted to do when I was young was acting or, or, or entertaining, but I kind of thought acting. And I kid you not, every movie that I used to watch in my head, I'd go, oh, I could do that. I, 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 could, I could do that that role and I, yeah. and it's funny because in my head I was very very good at it and then when I actually <laughs> went and studied it it's acting I have a whole new respect for actors because I think we all think it's like we all think we can sing and then when you sing you go hmm, actually maybe not that good or when you tape it and play it back but I think a lot of actors don't realize that they're actually shit at acting <laughs> I, I, Until I, you watch yourself on camera. Yeah. And even then some, yeah, they talk I themselves into it. I realised it, yeah. yes. And yeah. as much as I wanted to be good at it and I wanted to do it, I know that I can't, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't do accents. I've tried and tried and tried. I, this is what I'm stuck with. I can't hear the difference. Well, I can hear the difference, but I can't hear why. Um, so I, a lot of things that just wouldn't work for me with the acting but I still graduated and I, I got my diploma. I'm very happy about that. And they did give me an award from the school. It was a wonderful school. I, I really enjoyed. So I guess one of the messages that if I can get out there to people is go and try things. And who gives a shit if you fail? Yeah. Have fun doing it. I met loads of great people. And you know what? The best thing that came out of that was that at the age of 40, it was the first thing I ever did entirely for myself that didn't impress anybody else. Yeah, and, and that's important. Yeah, yes. so to put yourself out there, especially yes. after you've gone through uh, yeah. such a, we'll say, traumatic's probably not the word for oh, it, yes, but it, was it, it kept it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're down in the dumps, and you want to put yourself out there again. You build the courage up within yourself to do it, and. And then you try it. You can gain so much confidence out of putting yourself out there like that, whether you're good at the thing or not. But it doesn't matter. But, 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 but I think we 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 tend to go for things that we're going to be slightly good at. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't be interested. Yeah, you, you, of or, or in your head, you think good. Now, I'm not good at acting, but I'm very good at entertaining. Yep. That is my thing. That's what I like to do. And I think as long as you make a step in that direction and then I've learned a lot of you know uh, camera skills yeah. from from the acting school I've learned a lot of stuff that helped me on the TV show um, and I think that's the important thing is don't get too stuck on the outcome enjoy the journey and yeah. learning what you do on the journey and um, you know and it'll, it will fall in place and you know I could have got stuck on the fact that oh my god all my life I thought I was going to be good at acting oh poor me and that is stupid why do that you know okay so I'm not that talented at acting but I made a, a move in the right direction and, hey, it got me exactly what I wanted. Exactly. So. You adapted afterwards. I mean, it's, it's yeah. something to get comfortable in front of camera too, even if you're naturally a very infectious person that you know, and a character that people yeah. like to see and you're entertaining. Yeah. Getting, getting comfortable in front of camera is a different story when it's there, yeah. but getting the skill to forget all about it and just be yourself is really what I saw in the show in the few Thank episodes yeah. that I saw. Yeah, very engaging was, character. That was, that was effortless. And yeah. It's funny because I've just come back from um, Physio Key, which is fabulous. I had this really bad backache and I kid yeah. you not, fourth session, gone. Wow. The pain has gone. It's this Physio Key. It's like this instrument. It sends signals for your body. I've had chronic pain for years. Yeah. Four sessions, gone completely. And she was saying, the lady that I go to, she was saying how um, she would do, if she won the lotto, she'd still be doing this. And I said to her, if I won the lotto, I would pay to film. I love it. I would pay to film my own show. I don't need to even get paid for it. I, yeah. would, I love it so much. I love creating it. I love 
but everything from, you know, writing the synopsis and to put the format together. I mean, you you obviously do it as well because you love it. Yeah, exactly. And then you create yeah. something magical and then you and put then, it out and you get shit to, yourself. Exactly, yeah. You know? Oh, God, I hope people are going to yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But that, we love that, don't Part we? Part of the thrill yes. of it, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so you created the show yourself. Well, it, it, no, no, I, I can't take full credit for yeah. it. So, yeah. Um, basically, I had graduated from, from the Actors Conservatory and I joined an agency, done all the right things, got my portfolio, got my photos, headshots, spent a fortune on headshots. Yeah. Not that that's going to make a huge difference when you can't act. <laughs> and I went um, I went for a few auditions um, and I realised nobody was ever going to give me a speaking role. Um, so I started to look for a role model and I... I, 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 I tend to do this quite a lot now, is if I want to pursue something, I look for a role model who comes from a similar situation as myself. So there's no point looking at people that were born, you know, drop-dead gorgeous and, you know, I don't know, dad's a director or anything. So I was looking for somebody who possibly started late in life, didn't have a very good accent or whatever. And I came across Sylvester Stallone. Now, Sylvester Stallone, I think he can act. I think he's very talented. Mm. But what what I love about him is his story. And a lot of people don't know his story. He he was a, very much struggling as an actor in Hollywood. Nobody wanted him. He had done one movie, nothing particular. And he wrote Rocky. He was so yep. desperate to get on TV. He wrote Rocky. Yeah, you know the story. Um and he took it around to all these producers. And at first, nobody was interested. And then one production company was interested, but they didn't want to cast him. They wanted somebody famous in it. And he held on to that script. He sold his dog. To, I know. To, to, that, oh. what, that was a hard story to hear when he sold his dog. He and then it later back. on, he, yeah, yeah, and he for, paid for a For 50000 yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And he and sold it, it for about $300 or yeah. something close. Like, yeah. it might not have even been 300 And he but. had to give the guy a role in Rocky. That's right. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love the story. Oh, it's an amazing story. And I, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to compare myself with anybody else. He made it happen, and we all think the world of him. But when he started, nobody was interested. Well, in they him were offering all. offering him money, uh, like little bits here and there. I think the first like decent amount of money was about twenty five thousand. They kept offering him for the yeah. script, but he's just like, no, I, I want to star in this role. This is this is my story. This yeah. is me, and and he just kept turning it down. And he was on the bones, you know, bone, he had no money at yeah. all. And obviously, as you say, he sold his dog to try and keep going with everything. And then eventually. He got the deal. I, yeah, absolutely. And I just, that, that, and, and I thought, right, rather than worrying about the outcome, I'm going to worry about who I want to be rather than what I want to have. Who is it that I want to be? Because I think it's, we've been, kind of been conditioned to success is what we have, not who we are. Mm-hmm. And the problem is if you, if you depend on your happiness, or your success and what you have achieved, then you're also at risk of losing it at any given time. Yeah. You can lose everything. You can lose you can lose your legs and not be able to act anymore. But if you work more on who you are, and I thought, okay, so you know, I, I couldn't see myself getting anywhere with the acting. I thought, well, who who is it that I want? What skills do I want? And persistence just kept popping up. And I thought, you know what? I might not be the most talented person. I might not be the most beautiful person, but I can be the most persistent person. That I have control over. And I took that on my heart. And if you if you ask my husband, that's one thing he'll say. And I said, I, I, I want it to say on my gravestone, she never fucking gave up. She never fucking gave up. And that's who I want. I want people to say that about me. Yeah. She never gave up. And it's not about you know, not giving up um, exactly. I mean, I give up on if it's, I'm not so concerned about having exactly what I want, 
but I don't give up going in that direction. Yeah. Does that make sense? It definitely yeah. does, yeah. The yeah. persistence and, and yeah. the constant pursuit of, of the happiness and what you're trying to achieve at the time. And that's what gets the projects over the line, though. I, I talked about this on the last podcast with my friend, and, and it's just that overwhelming belief in yourself and what you're trying to strive for that actually gets these projects over the line because you can fall off at any – if someone says, oh, this is shit, you shouldn't be doing this, oh, this, which I, everybody gets with oh, a lot yeah. of things they're doing, you go, well, yeah. you know what, maybe it's not for you. Let's, let's just keep going. And if you believe in it, then you can make it happen. Oh, it's an emotional roller coaster. I mean, yeah. I've been I've been headhunted to go on quite a few t- big TV shows on Survivor and things like that. And in the last second, they picked somebody else, and it hurts like hell mm. because you, you in you, in my mind, I, I, I got um, asked to go on I'm a Survivor Champions, okay. and I'm thinking I'm not a champion. I don't know where I fit in there. And obviously, when it came to the casting, right at the end, they. They must have realised because they're all champions at something. I'm not a champion. So I wasn't – and I'm also very unfit, so I'm glad I wasn't on it. (laughs) I don't think they realised. I think they think because I'm a snake catcher I must be really fit. Hell no. I I get exhausted watching five minutes of Survivor, you know. And um, what was the other one? Wife Swap? I got headhunted for that one. That's a bit Um, different. (laughs) I was keen to do it. My husband's like, no, I don't want another wife in this house. I just want you. Um, and yeah, it, it is an emotional roller coaster. Um, and I've had lots and lots of rejections. Well, that's something you have to get used to in the entertainment game, isn't it? And it's yeah. developing that thick skin yeah. to actually be able to handle that. And you just have to roll with the punches, it's, really. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's such meaning. a difficult thing when you first start off and you're putting yourself out there and you've gone through certain things like, you know, the divorce or you've lost your confidence and some. For me, it was a relationship that fell apart and that's actually, like, urged me to actually move over to Australia in the first place and put myself oh, okay. out there again. Yeah. And it was something that, you know, start, started training in the gym a little bit, feeling a bit better about mm-hmm. myself, you know just all of a sudden and then get that confidence thing and it just goes through the roof and then you, I just fell you into the acting thing. Yeah. yeah, and it just comes to you, yeah, and it's like, the you know, the, a universal thing that it just comes around. Like, and if you just keep putting the, the effort in, you're passionate about what you're doing, you just keep going forward with it, things just come your way. Mm. And, and you find the people that will help you with that and you also help them and it's just a two or throw thing that it's just, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And... Yeah, so, I mean, you created the show then and you had... Well, you- well, well, well basically what I, I had the idea. So yeah. I, I was, I remember I was, going, I was doing quite long walks every day and I, I, I suddenly, I had this idea because every barbecue that I went, I'd been catching snakes for a few years and every barbecue that I went to and everybody that I spoke to, oh, we're a snake catch. Oh, tell us some stories. Always an interesting and thing, yeah. There are no two call-outs that are the same and people were fascinated and it's not just, oh, I went to the house and there was a tree snake. No, it's that like I went to the house, you won't believe where this snake was. This snake was up in the blinds, it was carrying, the cat was in the bedroom throwing up and, you know, the woman's on the kitchen bench streaming and the husband, and there's so much happening and... You know, and I, I, it just clicked. It almost like the idea came to me from somewhere and yeah. I went, oh, because I knew I wanted to be on television. And then I went, that is the perfect formula for a reality. Well, it's almost like a, a reality show. It's not really, it's a doco reality, I think they yeah, call it, yeah. right? And I thought, it's got everything in it. And I rode the motorbike. My husband's my apprentice, and you know, sidecar. and the sidecar. <laughs> and I thought, this is going to look awesome on TV. Now, at that stage, it's like, where do you go with, mm. with your idea? And yep. I'm sure there's millions of people out there who've got great ideas for TV shows and you really get stuck on where do you go. So I sent my idea off to Channel 7, 9 and 10. No reply. Of course not. Why would they reply? They get loads and loads of emails mm. like this. You, you, I mean, you need a producer to do that for a start. Yep. Nobody's going to listen to your idea. 
So um, I went and did what I did with the sidecar, and I've done it with my husband as well. I wrote a list about what I wanted in a husband, and I printed, I wrote, I want a TV show, and I printed out a little clip art of a woman behind a camera, and I stuck it on my fridge. And I was online not that long afterwards um, on Star Now, actually. I've had two great opportunities on Star Now, so I seriously recommend Star Now. Yeah, I think no, it's a great place to start when you're trying to get into yeah. the indie game. Yeah, oh, and there's there's a lot of hidden opportunities there, there is, that yeah. I don't think people can see. I got on the Husey show through Star Now, oh, really? and that went to Gogglebox and everywhere. Yeah, so yeah. that went viral. Um, yeah, Star Now is good. So so and there was um, a job offer. Well, it wasn't a job offer. They were looking for somebody with an inspirational career change, and I went, ha ha, you know, I've gone from baking cakes to catching snakes, and they were on the phone within half an hour. We're sending an editor up. This is for Women's Day. We want to feature you that. And I was brilliant. So this, I'm still friends with him, actually. This wonderful editor came up and I told him about my idea for the TV show. And he said, oh, yeah, he said, that, that would really, really work. But he couldn't help me. He didn't know anybody producers or anything like that. But he gave me the confidence. Now, I also had people say to me, that's a stupid idea because why would anybody want to watch you picking up a snake and putting it in a bag? It's been done before. There was a guy that did it. You're too late. But I chose to listen to the guy that was positive about it. And that firmly gave me the belief that this would work. Um, and once again, I just I just visualized it. And it was about two, three months after my feature in Woman's Day. I kid you not, once again, miracles. I had been on the website. I was desperate at this stage. I'm like, how do I get this TV show? How can I even talk to people? I don't know anybody. So I started to look at production companies and the, the one company that came up happened to be the company that called me the next day and it's a lady, there were two ladies behind the camera, the clip art, down to the fact that it was a lady, behind, it was a lady producer that rang me up. Yeah. And she said, we would like to do a doco about a snake catcher. And I said, doco? I said, let's do a whole series. Let's milk this shit. I mean, there, there, there's so much going on. So we sat together and we created the pilot. Um, Nat Geo were going to buy it straight up. They loved it. They were going to fund a pilot. Um, we pitched it to them first. And then when we went to get the funding for the pilot, we were told that actually they'd, he had made a mistake. They had already commissioned Snakes in the City, which is a South African, very similar show, very okay. good show, lovely couple. Yeah but that had already been commissioned. So it was back to the drawing board. And that's when the, this producer got another production company on board. Yeah. And they had great connections and that was it, Animal Planet, across the world. Uh, the only market we haven't broken into big, big time is America. So but not giving up. No. No, nope, not giving up. Oh, fuck no. I'll be old and wrinkly by the time possibly. I, 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 I don't care. I, I want another TV show, right? Yeah. This one's come to a halt at the moment. I'm pitching another two, but I don't care if I'm going to be old and wrinkly by the time I, until the day I die, I want another TV show and I will not give up. And if I win the lotto, I'll pay for it myself. I don't care. Well, that's a good way to go about it, yeah. yeah. But that, that's what that sort of attitude, as we say again, is what gets these things over yeah. the line. And that's what brings these producers on that will help you, obviously, in the fields that maybe you're not so good at at creating um, and getting it on board is that's, that's what helps. Because a character like yourself is just infectious to be around. Oh, thank you. And you, you want to see you. that on TV. Cameras capture everything. Why would you not? What, and it's a reality TV show and a documentary. I mean, what everything rolled into one, but... Oh, yeah, it's just, I want to see it on TV already. But you can't you can't really talk about what you're sort of trying to create at the moment? Or? Um, well, I've got a few things. 
things on the go. So yeah. I have written another TV show that's that, that but, and I've been developing that now for a couple of years. So yeah. we've we've got the trailer for that, and okay. we are actively pitching it. So yeah. we will be. We are act, well. We're just waiting. This bloody virus thing settles down a little yes. bit. Yeah. But the great thing about. Um, this new TV show, and if we do another snake catching one, is that we can film straight away because we're in Australia. You know, mm. I don't need to travel to film this. I yeah. don't need to get on planes. I don't need to go international. Um, so we can we can deliver the content straight away. It'll be yeah, really good. So I've got that, and I've got my first kids book come out. So that's another passion of mine. Young children. I've been a children's entertainer since I was about eight years old. Actually, I started doing puppet shows with my dad when I was about eight and we started doing them for my sister who was six years younger. Okay. And then we moved to Germany because my dad's German and we did puppet shows for the Americans because my dad worked for the Americans. Um, and then I became a teenager and that wasn't cool anymore. So mum steps in, stepped in. And my mum and dad have been actively doing puppet shows. They did their last one at Christmas this year because they're now 84 and 82. But Dad's already got the next project on the plan, so Dad's an entertainer as well. Um, so I've always, I've always loved the entertaining bit. And so, and, and kids, kids are just easy because kids don't judge you and you can have a laugh and just be yourself. I love being around kids. Oh, yeah. Little kids, not annoying kids. <laughs> it brings a little kid out in yourself though, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a fun thing. So is that the book? What's, what's it actually about? Okay, so, 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 so I've written this book. It comes out with Wombat's publishers. So okay. it, it, it's released in September, but you can pre-order it now. And it's called There's a Snake on My Cake. Okay. And it's about a little girl called Jessie who wants to have a snake birthday party. All her friends have rollerblades and this and that, but she wants a snake birthday party. And her friends don't, don't want to. They're scared. They're like, oh, no, snakes are slimy and this and that. So she invites me <laughs> to come and do a reptile show and converts all the children into thinking they're beautiful snakes. And at the end of it, the best part is there's a snake on her cake, which is just a snake birthday cake, really. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I'm awesome. currently writing another one, but I, I'm, do you know what? I'm just having fun. Creating. Yes. And doing things that I was told I couldn't do and things I told myself I couldn't do. Mm. And now it's just like, nah, watch me, watch me. I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try. I tried stand-up comedy. I did two stand-up comedy courses. I, I sucked at that as well. Um, and that's okay because you just you, you just try different things. I don't get stuck on the things that I'm not good at. I've given it a go. At least it's out of my system. You can always get something from that. I've yeah. tried a little Have bit of stand-up myself as well. Yeah. Oh, I was scared public speaking. Like if I was speaking during speeches in school, yeah. it freaked me out. Like I did not want to do it at all. So obviously the intern from, as I spoke about before, with the relationship thing and coming in and getting confidence within yourself, you know, acting was such a far-fetched idea and that. But there was always people around me that said, you're not going to be an actor. You're not going to be a musician. This, you know, like you can't do that. Well, because I was from a small town. There's a small town mentality that sometimes comes with that. And it was like at one point it just broke me and I was like, well, why not? Exactly. Why can't I do it? Exactly. Like what is stopping exactly. me from trying to do this? So let's just yeah. do it and whatever happens, happens, you know, just yeah. roll with the punches and something fun's going to come out of it. At least I tried, you know. I wouldn't want to live life in regret and not yeah. saying that I took the opportunity to try and see what I'm made of and challenge myself and see what comes from it. I feel like you're, you're doing a similar thing in so many ways. Do you know ways. what? The last thing you want to do is sit in your rocking chair when you're older and think through your life when, you, when you're old and you're in pain and you really can't do the things that you can now. I think, why didn't I try that out? And that was the sticking point for me because I used to think, I'm, I'm, I, was, I mean, I was 40 when I started the, the acting and I had um, a relative say to me, you're 40, why are you still in acting? No, you'll never make money out of that. That's ridiculous. And, 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 
I thought, but if I don't, in my head, I know I'm, well, now I know I'm not good, but I thought I was good. I don't want to sit in my rocking chair thinking I could have been the next biggest Hollywood actress. Do you know what? It's better actually to know. And yes, it did hurt a little bit finding out that I'm not that, I'm not talented in that so much. But I still went and did some acting afterwards and amateur for free, you know, in, in local theatres and that because I enjoyed doing it. But it's out of my system and I'm so grateful for that. You know, I would hate to be old and think, God, why didn't I try acting? I tried it and I had fun. I'm, a, I'm not an actress, but I had fun. But you made, you probably made connections out of it that. I met wonderful people, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know career-wise whether it did much or not, but it certainly gave me camera skills. I, I don't know if that made a huge difference, but I don't. I, I think sometimes you've got to look at things in life. You don't have to achieve something out of everything. You can just enjoy doing it exactly. and not have, you know. As you said, that's the journey, cool. though, and the yes. process that you go through yes. is that actually enjoying what you're yes. doing and you find what you don't and you do like and what naturally comes to you and that's where you get, you just keep yeah. going in life, right, and just keep living because if you just sit back, and do nothing and don't try things. I mean, is it really living life. at the end of the day? No, no, exactly. No. And yeah, no, that's not that to me. Life's an adventure. You've got to go out there. And I have a saying that if you're not, if what you're doing is not affecting people, you know, and it's not hurting anybody, you do whatever the fuck you want to. Mm. You have every right to do that. As long as it's not affecting anybody. If you're endangering yourself, that affects other people too. Yeah, of course. But yeah, otherwise, ones, go and yeah. have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Try new things. Put yeah. yourself out there. So yeah. you stand up comedy. What did, what did you actually? Where did you? Did you go sit down comedy club or you try the open mic? Bites oh, or? I did it. I did it with Fiona McGarry, who's just brilliant, and I enjoyed the course. Um, so it's a six week course, one one day a week, and then she sort of gives you the format. She, she tells you how you know you come up with a topic and then you, how you put it together. It was it's a brilliant course. I, I highly recommend it. I did it twice, and at the end of it, right, this is the fun part. At the end of it, you get to invite all your friends and family for an evening at the sit-down comedy club. And we all had our little routines, I think 10-minute routines on the stage. And of course, they're your friends and family. So they all laugh because they want you to do well and they're all cheering you, laughing. You walk out, you know, head about that size thinking you're the next funniest thing. And then you do the open mic nights. Have you done them? Yes. Oh, I would rather wrangle an Eastern Brown any day. <laughs> uh, it is, it is, it's scary. It's painful. Um, it, yes, I don't know. How did you... Did you find them enjoyable? Um, I hated the open At the time, yes, because I'd, um, I'd already been doing acting for maybe six years or so at the time, maybe even more, and uh, went through a bit of a period where, you know, I got my confidence knocked out of me a little bit with, with certain things, you know, in life and in the game itself. Um, and I was sort of in a rebuilding stage of myself and trying to figure out what was going on, you know, mentally and sort of lining everything up with my, you know, how I felt mm. in my body and... Um, and it was once again like acting was at the first thing. It was so far from my mind, like that I was could really do when I was scared of public speaking and you know things like that. And so obviously stand up is definitely that. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. I happen to be listening to a lot of podcasts with a lot of comedians and stuff like that on, and just so they're very encouraging, you know. And you're like, yeah, I can do that. Let's go do that. You know, I've always thought about it and. <laughs> 
you know, I was attracted to a lot of comics growing up, like just going, oh man, you can see that power on that stage and controlling an audience. And it's just like, well, that's an impressive thing. Oh yeah, it looks a little easy, but yeah. And so I'd been working on material because I'm fairly particular. I like to work on the material that I had. I had some stories. I'm more of a storyteller than a one line punchy kind of guy. And I had some stories that I thought would be pretty good. I worked them out a little bit, you know, I wrote things down, but you can't really know what you're going to do until you get up there in an audience and it's a whole different story in itself. But I actually, Tristan was with me when I went up there just down the road at the Waterloo was my first time and I actually got put up first. Um, so I didn't really have a lot to go by. I'd been to a few comedy shows and things like that. Where's the Waterloo? I'm just trying to think if I've done an open um, mic there. Waterloo, right? Have you done yeah, the New Market a, one? No, that New was Market the one Hotel. that I really wanted to go to because we checked that out and I liked that room. Like it was a good vibe. There was a good audience there the, the couple of times I went and checked it out. Yeah. And that's, that is where I was supposed to go and then they just threw me up at this one spot and, yeah, I got thrown up first. And I'm not go- – I was all right because I felt like, you know, I had something that was – pretty funny I told my friends about it but you don't really you can't perform it <laughs> unless you're saying, doing it yes. yeah in, in front of an audience and on the stage yeah. it's a whole different story but yeah I had like a shot of whiskey or something and <laughs> but it started like I knew because I knew I was going up first and they were about to start and the MC was there warming it up and I'm like okay now I can feel a little something yeah. going on and I was a little bit nervous but I was more just like let's do this because I'd built it up for a while and I just wanted to get up there and just do it and I got up there and I did my story I went through it pretty quickly you know because my timing I I understood timing and tonality and things like that because through acting so I thought it would help me and it did but I did punch through the story because I knew it was a little longer than the five minutes that you get and I just rolled with it and I think it was more I got a few laughs but I had the MC laughing the most out loud at a few like about three solid points I just remember him going ah like you know and he recorded it for me so I watched it back and yeah it, it was it was just went so quickly when yeah. I was up there. The light was so bright in your face that I thought I was going to be staring at people, you know, making eye contact yeah. with someone. But, I, you know, you can barely see yeah. it. It's almost like tunnel vision and you're just going through it. But, like, I stood right in front of the mic kind of thing. I didn't move away from it or anything like that. As, so it could appear that you were hiding behind it kind of a little bit. But, no, it went all right, you know. I got a oh, few good. laughs and I think I more shocked people with my material than – then like got ha ha Was laughs. it really? It was a little dirty. It was yeah. a bit of a sex story sort of thing that went uh, went sideways okay. a lot and I was sort of playing off with thoughts in my mind and like, you know, to the situation. But yeah, yeah it was it was it was all right, you know, it got off and, it, you know, it, it was fun. It served, but what it did was for me was it kind of served that purpose of yeah. I did it. I went up yes. there, I gave it a crack. I felt good about yes. it, but it just installed a bit more confidence in me. It didn't hurt me that I didn't make everybody piss themselves laughing on the ground, but – it just did that. That's what I got from yeah. it. Just that surge of energy, like back yeah. in the game. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it was just, I, I can do this again. And so just keep going with that momentum. I think momentum is huge when you're in the entertainment game. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to be putting things out there. Turn up, you know, Screen Queensland hosts breakfast, um, coffee mornings, yeah. you know, once you go to those places, talk to people, network. Um, and I think one of the big things is don't make it about you. I, I do, I, I see a lot of very genuine, lovely, lovely people in the industry, but I do see people that are t- way too pushy. And yet nobody wants to know that. Don't be in people's faces trying yeah. to um, sell yourself. It, it doesn't work. It's 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 actually very little to do with yourself. It's it, And you need a team. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned over the years is that you can't do everything by yourself. You no. need a team. And everybody's just as important. It doesn't matter. If you've got a shitty cameraman, well, you ain't going to look good no matter how good you are. Everybody's important. So you treat everybody with the same respect. It doesn't matter if you're behind the camera or in front of the camera. 
it's it's just a freaking job. It's a job. Like you're not more better than the person behind the camera. No, and it's a good thing it's, to remember when yes. you're on set because you're all walking, uh, working towards the same yeah. goal and that's creating something, yeah. you know, magical, beautiful that people are going to love. And that's what I did, re- was really, really attracted about when I got into the creative industry is that you find your niche, your people that you want to yeah. be around and you're all contributing to that same thing. And you quickly, the ones stand out that aren't doing that, that are in for themselves. And that's what I think that, you know, you, you just find those people that want to naturally just see you do great mm-hmm. and they do great along with you, you know what I mean? And you're all carrying each other together, you know, and there's always things that go wrong, especially on a film set. Nearly everything can go wrong in the indie game when, you, when you're trying to create. And it's, uh, you know, you're there for one another. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that, like you said, you can't do it all yourself. Sometimes you want to. And you don't really want to ask people for help or depend on other mm. people, but that's just part of life. You have a, the you have you definitely stack the odds in your favour if you surround yourself. If you can find a good team, a good writer, um, you know, a, a, a good editor, a good that you, you definitely yeah. Rather than trying to do it all by yourself, I yeah. think that's that that's really important. Um, but I think what what I love coming from a stable sort of career in in being a pastry chef, which I dare say probably 80-90% of the population has a normal career. Yeah. What I love about this industry is the dreamers. I love, I love any any I get lots of invitations from Screen Queensland to, and I went and saw Baz Luhrmann. He he gave an evening and he was talking about because he's doing um Yeah, Tom Hanks bio. Do you know, do yeah. you know I, I nearly caught the coronavirus off Tom Hanks? Oh, okay. That would have been my claim to fame. <laughs> but I didn't. Um I was in the same room with him. I went to his his wife, put on an evening, and he was in the room in disguise. Um, oh, really? Yes, he was, but we couldn't we we couldn't figure out who it was. And you can't go look staring at everybody with a beard and a hat, you yeah. know. <laughs> but he was there, and then of course he came out that he had the virus. And I thought, well, if I'm gonna catch it, I wanna claim that I caught it from oh, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. But yeah, or Rita Wilson, yeah. yeah. Oh, a, no, 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 Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yeah. <laughs> it's more important, yeah. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> he's awesome, yeah. So, um, you know, and I just, I, every every um, evening that I've been to and like Blas Lerman or producers talk and that, and it's always the same story. It's, it's, it's ups and it's downs and it's a huge, huge risk taking. But I love that. I love, I love people... That, that that take that risk in, in believing in a project that they're doing that that take that gamble and I just think wow that's the other end of the spectrum you know I mean you go from having very very low self-esteem and it's not that they've got massive self-esteem it but they're dreamers and they hold on to it and nobody can shake them out I just I love that because it's a very insecure kind of industry, isn't it? I mean, nobody knows. Yeah, nobody could, knows if anything. And I mean, it, it, it's incredible. I mean, when the show aired, I got flown first class over to New Zealand. I was in front of all the media. I had, God, I remember when the show first started, I had a current affair. I had the inside story. At not 60 minutes, there was another show. And they were on the phone to me because they went, they came straight to me to, to, to feature me. But then I went through Discover, Discovery to make sure I went with the right, you know, program and whatnot. Yep. I still got to choose though. And they are so persistent to get you on the show. I mean, they were ringing me up. A current Affair, there was a guy from A Current Affair, I think that day he rang me like 56 times. I wouldn't answer wow. the phone because I couldn't give him a yes. And 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 you, you feel incredible. I mean, it is a high. But then, of course, it doesn't last. No. And I, it's a real insight into the industry. If you've ever had a real good, you know, fame kind of situation where you've had a role 
and you don't, you know, not everybody gets the second go, that is a real come down and that that is hard. And I never thought about that because, I mean, I, 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 it was a brilliant feeling everywhere I went, you know, I was recognised and this and that and this and that. And it, it's been four years now since we filmed season two and nothing, we're pitching and, you know, trying and, as I said, I'm not going to give up. Mm. But I haven't, I've been on lots of other TV shows but not on my own TV show. Yeah. And that's really hard to swallow because at the time you're told, everybody tells you, oh, you're the next biggest star and oh my God. Yeah, and they're you, moving you, everything oh, for yeah, you yes, and around you. Yeah, yes, they do that. Yes, absolutely, of course yeah. they do, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, nothing happens. And you have to deal with that. And it made me wonder how many people out there have had a one big role and they thought this is it, they're made, and it never happened again. You've got to somehow deal with that and still live a happy life. If that doesn't happen, yeah. you can't make it everything. So that's that's the big thing because I've I've heard that actually depression is very big in the industry. Massively. And I, I could sort of speak a little bit about that myself because I understand I haven't had, say, a really high what you, role tell me, and tell things me, like that. You, but yeah. I but I understand exactly what you're saying because there's such a high when you're on those seats yeah. and you're around those people. And if you're on, say, like I've been a part, like very, very tiny, small role in like some of the, um, like say the Marvel films or the DC oh, yeah. ones yeah, that cool. are filmed down the coast and things like that, you know, like extra sort of thing. But yes, occasionally if you, you show the right um, passion for it or persistence, whatever, or you have the right look, because let's face it, most of it is about look in the industry as well too and there's talent. But yeah. Um, and, you, you know, you can get sort of maybe you might get a little feature here or you're, yeah. you're, you're alongside Chris Hemsworth, you're talking to him or what what have you, you know, and it's you're caught up in that and it's such a high and it's like it's one of the most amazing buzzes that I've ever felt is that being oh, a part of those addictive. big films. It's and you're dangerous. Around, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very dangerous. dangerous. And you're doing it for a few months or what have you or however long you're lucky enough to be on set for. But when you come away from that, you're just like, what, what, what do what, I do now? You can't like, get that high again. Exactly. There is nothing in the normal world that's going to give you that high again and you have to deal with that. Yeah. And, and, and I dare say majority of people, I mean, I was going down the path of being really distraught about it. I thought, I don't want to be a has-been and rah. And then I was thinking, how ridiculous. I mean, you work so hard towards this and then you can't appreciate it afterwards because yeah. you can't get another one. Well, like, you, you're not grateful. You started somewhere and then you got that. You, you Sometimes you have to look back and go, wow, you know, like I kind of created that around me, you know, I met these people, we got in these yeah. positions, created something awesome, got to be proud of that. And it's like, okay, enjoy it while it lasts and what have you. But remember that this is all a journey. It's all a process once again. Absolutely. And, but it's I, not the outcome, I, I, yeah. I think that comes through as well is because, and I learned this in a lot of different, um, say, acting classes and techniques and that I went into is that you really have to look after yourself because yourself is the instrument. Mm -hmm. And if you, if your instrument isn't ready to play a character or something, then you really can't do much with it. Like you're just acting mm. on raw emotion, if you will. And that's where like meditation and things like that can come oh, God, into yeah, play. I do it every and day. Yeah. It's, it's one mm. thing that, that I was certainly helped me. It's and being, you know, sense and tightness and understand what's going on in your body. And when you, you know, address it, if you aren't feeling so good, don't, don't just mull over and go, Oh no, I'm good. I, I can roll with this. You know, I'm, I'm awesome. Let's, let's do this. No, you're not feeling that great today. You know, you just address it, you keep addressing it, keep addressing it, and it and alleviates away from you. And all of a sudden you're in a zen zone place and you're actually ready to start working and creating a character and bringing that emotion out that you have to, you know, use a lot of substitutions when you're acting and things like that to bring that emotion out. See, um, I'm shit at that. I don't no, do that. I just, <laughs> but I, I think, and, and I can sort of relate to what you're saying about being, um, 
you know, you're a character and you're a very infectious character and person to be around and that's hard to manipulate to another character to be on screen. You just got to be yourself sometimes. Yeah. And, and and that's where you, you go, you know what, maybe maybe I'm not supposed to be this actor, but I've found this, create yeah. this yeah. awesome and lane okay. for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I mean, everybody would love to have a gift, but here's the thing, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift. Some are, are more obvious. I mean, if somebody's got a great voice, yeah, we all know about it. But what about all the hidden gifts that nobody, that, that people will never find out because they, they're too scared to go looking in case they get a knockback? Well, since when have we become a society of this fear of failing? What even is failing? There is no such thing as failing in the world. It's just, okay, well, that's not working that way. Try something different. Like, mm. But there's this massive fear, and I think as parents we're becoming more and more what do they call it, helicopter parents. We, 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 we're trying to save our kids from having any bad feelings. Hey, bad feelings is what grows a person. If you're exactly. not out of my depression, out of my anger, out of my fear, I, I, I propelled myself to getting a, a TV show and becoming the person I am. If I had gone through my depression and my divorce... No way, I would still be working in the kitchens or I'd still be working at Weight Watchers. So I think we should embrace kids. My, my daughter, I've got two daughters, one's nearly 20, one's 18. And whenever they call me up and they go, oh, I'm really nervous, I've got a job interview, I'm really nervous, I go, great, nervous is great. It means you want it. It means you get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. It is a great feeling. Or if I hear they're frustrated, great. I, 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 I compliment them for bad feelings. I praise them. I say, that's a great feeling. It's it telling you're passionate you something. about it. Yeah, and it's it's telling you something. If 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 I think, unfortunately, too many children now, um, they think that feeling sad is a terrible thing mm. to feel, or if it's been going on for a few days, oh my gosh, now it must be chronic and it must be depression. Feelings are there to tell us the lessons. They're not there to be ignored, and they're not there to take a pill to make it go away. Mm. Feelings are there. Tony Robbins does a very, very good um, uh, segment on feelings and what it means. If you're feeling, if you're feeling angry, it usually means that you, you're actually fearful. You're scared of losing something, you know. And it's telling you something that listen to it and address it, like you said, address yeah. it, do something. Don't don't ignore it, you know. So um, I'm grateful for for. I don't like because I'm very emotional. I don't like it, but I'm grateful because it propels me. You ask my husband, he's like, ooh, she gets angry. She's shit's going to happen. She's going to make shit happen. I still, I get to that de degree where I'm so frustrated. It's like, now I'm going to, and then I go out and do a million things and something will stick. Well, you've addressed it and then you focus your energy yeah. into doing something positive with it. Yeah. And, and as you said about helicopter parenting and things like that. It's like, you feel like some, they're putting people in, in rubber suit yeah, when they go out into the work. world and it doesn't yeah. work because what what you take away all the phones, the TVs and everything, electronic technology, back in the day used to fall over and you get hurt and you go, oh, okay, maybe I won't run that fast at that again or I won't trip over it. But if you don't trip over, then you don't learn that lesson and you don't carry that with you to not do it again. And you learn from those. Like being fearful is a great thing to propel you forward and you get energy from it. All yeah, the time. And, but if you if if you if you're scared of bad feelings, if you think that you shouldn't have any bad feelings as a human being at all, you've missed the purpose of growing in life. Because mm. you don't grow when you're in a comfort zone. Nothing happens in a comfort zone, and there are millions and millions of people that are in this comfort zone, but they're not happy. So a comfort zone is not something you want to get stuck in. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, you feel, uh, I see a lot, like they feel entitled to that something should happen for them or this should happen because I think that way or it's, well, it's like just go out there and do it. Take yeah. a chance, try yeah. it, challenge yourself. 
you find out something something about your own person that you probably didn't know yesterday, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what you can take into the future to actually create that own world for yourself rather than expecting it to come to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Get get out there. And I think, I mean, for the kids now, because there is a lot of fear of going out and, you know, being adventurous. And it's it's, it's our fault. I mean, our parents, my my, my parents, they were um, they were baby boomers, weren't they? they? They were born, no, they were born in the war, actually, just before the war, I should say. So I've watched my parents, you know, pick up all the pieces after the war pretty much and, 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 Working class, no money, one car, one phone, black and white TV. One stage, we didn't even have a fridge. Mm. And so we've done a lot better. We've got more money, but I feel that our kids, there's nowhere for them to go because they're like, well, we strive to become better than our parents, but now where have they got to go? Something has to happen for them. Something bad has to happen. And you'll actually see that throughout history, the fourth generation where there's no war always suffers that something has to bad happen for them to then have a purpose again and at the moment i feel well, like we're going through we're that going right that, now through yeah. that way and, and something big will happen it has to every they say every third or fourth generation mm. does that but you know you're talking about the i've got to tell you this funny story okay. right because I did a few extra jobs, right? And I'm, I, get, I was on Steven Spielberg's set, oh, so wow. it was oh Jesus, what was that? What was this that series called? Um, with the dinosaurs, it was filmed on the Gold Coast. Um, Terra Nova, Terra Nova. Oh, okay, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went down as an extra Terra Nova, right? And just like yourself, if you kind of a bit enthusiastic, you get picked for a little bit of a feature run, right? Mm. So I turned up and there was busloads of us. And it was, I think, the last episode where I never watched it because it was a crap show. <laughs> but anyway, well, my opinion. Stephen, she didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, love you, Stephen. Love you, Stephen. But it was, and I don't think it's ever aired again, actually. So they, there was, it was a village and they travelled through time. I didn't, I didn't quite understand it. But the, the village men were coming back. And the director, that day I was on set, they actually flew in the director from America. So, and they had bombed, the village had been bombed. The set was amazing. You know what it's like, oh, a proper yeah. set. And the, the, the director was a proper American with a megaphone. I was like, yeah, I felt like I was in Hollywood, right? Yep. So he said, right, I can't do American accents, so I won't even attempt it, as we know, I can't do it. He said, I need some of the women, I need some women to volunteer and you've got to be the wives of the soldiers coming back. So you've got to rush out and greet them and that. So I was like, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, I, right. So he said, right, we'll take you, 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 you. And I got picked. He says, right, so just grab yourself a bloke when they're coming in. And then when we reshoot it, just make sure you grab the same guy, right? Yeah. So I got a bit excited. And I mean, keeping in mind, I'm 51. So this happened, I was on set, oh, probably about six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, so I was still well into my 40s. <laughs> and the boys were all about 20. And I was like, Oh, shit. And one of them actually said, what's this, grab a granny? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, just as a laugh kind of thing. So I grabbed this young 20-year-old, you know, and I had to pretend to be his wife and give him a big kiss and whatnot. And that was another situation where I had to go home and tell my husband, you're going to see it on TV, so I might as well tell you now, I kissed a man today. I kissed him a few times. It was only acting, though. It was only acting. And he's anything. half my age and I feel really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel a bit like a pedo. But it, know, it's it's like- funny. In that situation, though, I, the, I've had something similar um, on set and you find people step back when they're asking for somebody and that really shows the people that are there that enthusiastic and that's when they pick you, like for those extra, like featured yeah, parts. Yeah, turn up. That's, I, yeah. I, I was on set, uh, the Thor Ragnarok one, and there was about like probably 200 extras at least and they, they did that certain, for a certain point. Oh, who wants to do this and rescue this person? And you just watch the wave of people kind of just step back. You step forward like, yeah, I'm down. Like wow. that's, that's what happened. But it's funny yeah. because what do you, you know, the, the, I think a lot of people can be there for, you know, like, oh, I'm on this film, you know, I'm doing this, you know, to say it about the, for namesake. But when it comes down to it, that, that attitude of, Might just you be know, scared. Well, I there know. is that too, because yeah. I mean, it, it is quite confronting, I'm sure. And especially when you've got that many people and uh, at the time that was Taika Waititi directing, that was what for his first like really big nudge into, you know, the spotlight, if you will. Um, he did a few TV series and stuff, New Zealand director, but that really got him on the map. He, he kind of rekindled yeah. or revived the the actual Thor series because they were on about their third or fourth film at that point. Um, and now he's doing heaps of films. He's going gangbusters in Hollywood. So it's amazing. But yeah, yeah, it's just interesting to see like the types of personalities that come on those sets and things like oh, that. I was a... Um, um an extra on Mental, you know, the, the movie with Tony Collette, Mental and Anthony LaPaglia. Yeah I, yeah, I know the actors, but I don't think I've seen the film actually. Mental, oh, it's a brilliant movie. It's, it's, you haven't seen it where no, I don't um, think I have. it's dysfunctional family. I can't really, exactly, but it's a similar situation because I turn up early to everything where I, if I want something, I will be the first one there yeah. because I was early. The Julia that was supposed to be the featured role of the politician sitting in the front row in this scene, she hadn't turned up yet. The the, the, cast, the casting director said, oh, Julia. And I went, yeah. And she and you, she said the last name. I said, no, my name's Julia Baker. He said, oh, well, she's not here. You'll do. You can be in the front. Into I got wardrobe. featured role yep. just like that. Into wardrobe, got the whole makeup, everything yep. done. So, yeah, that's a great message to get out there, guys. If you, you, know, you want to be in this industry, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, do everything. Just yeah. keep turning up. That's it. And it's not about pestering the right people too because there's a lot of people that do that as well. Like, uh, they know, well, pestering them, like uh, they'll stay close to the people that they know that are calling the shots and sort of um, trying oh, to, you yeah, know, nah, like it's, it's don't about do that. when nah. the time is, when you're there though, yeah, you turn up early, you put the work and you yeah. concentrate on what you're doing. You're not always laughing and joking around because sets are serious and there's a yes. lot of downtime and you yes. can have fun on them as well. But when it's time to work, you, yeah. get, in, you get stuck into the work and you listen and you, know, you understand what what's going on around you and that's when you might get featured in the shot or you're brought forward for another role and things like that. And it's just those little opportunities. Sometimes you only mm. get a few of those if you're lucky, you know, and you got to take it when it comes to you and you got to be prepared to take that role when, when it comes to mm. you as well. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing like, um, so the, you know, the, like we say about the, um, meditation and preparing yourself and getting getting into your own body and feeling comfortable in your own skin and and addressing everything that's going on around you because then you're ready to work and you're ready to take that opportunity when it comes and you get that opportunity you set everything up for the dominoes to fall is mm. is just actually you know how you say you feel comfortable in your, your skin that's, that's something that I did that worked really really well for me a strategy that I did after my divorce with my self-esteem was I actually wrote down all the things about myself that I didn't like that were niggling me over the years. And you know, you know yourself, the little voices you hear. You know, things like, oh, I I didn't like my nose. Don't know why, I just didn't like my nose. I thought it was too wide. I didn't like my legs, you know. I've got wrinkly cellulite legs. They're just not very nice. So I wrote everything down that, that bothered me. 
Um, I didn't feel I was educated enough because I'm a tradie. I don't know why, but anyway. And then I went through and I researched how I could improve them. So um, I looked into rhino plastic thing for my nose and then found out that they break your nose and it, it freaking hurts. Oh. And I went, you know what? Mm-mm. <laughs> but I made a conscious decision that anything that I couldn't change, whether it's a cost factor or, you know, I looked at liposuction because I don't like my legs. And I thought, well, liposuction, I went and I got a quote for it, it was $10,000. And I said, well, what happens when I eat? <laughs> you put it back on again. And I thought, well, that's $10,000 I'm going to put towards a motorbike. Yeah. But I also made that decision that I was going to get it out of my system and I was never going to look at those parts of me. If I can't change them, I was never going to look at the focus on them. So, and I never did. And that was 12 years ago. And I look in the mirror now and I don't even know what my legs look at. I don't particularly, so I don't look at them. I look and I don't focus on my nose anymore because I'm not going to change it. So why why bother focusing on it? And I found that they just all disappeared, all the things that I didn't like. And the things that I did like about myself were the things I could change. So because I felt I wasn't educated enough, I did a diploma in marketing as well. And and, and that made me feel good because now I, I kind of, I've got a diploma as well. Yeah. And I've got a diploma in acting. Um, liposurgery, not worth it. So I don't look at my legs. Nobody else looks at them. Nobody sees them. So but you forget alle- about them. But you alleviated that nagging thing in the back yes, of your mind. Yes, I got rid though, of it. Right? I got it's rid the, of it and it bothered me chatter. for years. Yeah, it's the yeah. chatter in the back of yeah. your head and you have so many things yeah. like that growing up, no matter how old you are, 20, 30, 40, whatever, you have all those little chatters in the back of your mind and that can actually hold you back from progressing forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it, if you don't address it, it does keep popping up and then make a conscious decision. Hey, if you don't like your feet... You know, I've got big feet and my daughters have got big feet. Um, and I raised them and, I, and, and whenever we went shoe shopping and they would win, I said, you've got feet, you've got feet, be glad. Do you know how many people in wheelchairs would kill to have your feet, big yeah. or not? It doesn't matter, it's feet. Don't look at them. If you don't like the way they look, don't look at them. Never bothered them ever. Never, doesn't bother my daughters. We laugh about our feet, we call big feet. Well, you know what that means. Um, Something. <laughs> I don't know what it means with women, but it means something. Big hearts. Big yeah, hearts. That works, yeah. Big hearts, yeah. So we got big feet. So make a joke about it. Move yeah, on. Focus exactly. on the things that you love about yourself and everybody's got lovable things. Don't dwell on the negative. No. Stay in the positive. Fuck no. Nobody else looks at them. It's no, silly, exactly. isn't it? You cover We're them so... with shoes all the time. I know, but any any little bits about yourself that you don't like, you'd be surprised that nobody else notices because we all look at the big picture. Nobody just focuses on somebody's nose yeah. and goes, holy shit, that's a big nose. Nobody does that. No. And if they do, it's because they've got problems with themselves. Yeah, they're just reflecting it yes, back exactly. on you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Love your body, love yourself. Yeah. Keep yourself in check and, yeah. It's working. Be happy. So, yeah. 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 Any, you'd like to leave with anything else here? No, I, well, I guess... Uh, I think we've covered most of the things, but my message to everybody would be just take act, just do things and don't sit away around. I, I saw a lot of people um, that signed up with agents, a lot of actors, and um, went for lots of auditions and then lost heart and, and went back to doing what they didn't. Do. But I thought, you know what, if you really love acting, you go and act. You'll do it in an amateur theatre. You'll do it anywhere. It, what is it that you really want? If it, it, and if you just want to be famous, that's okay. That's totally okay, whatever it is. But if it's just the fame that you want and you're not getting that through the acting because you're not good enough or you're not getting the roles and so therefore you stop the acting, then it's not the acting that you want, it's the fame you want. Yeah. So then my advice would be look at different avenues. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be famous. No. Then try Big Brother or try a reality show or try and get on Gogglebox or try something. But really think about what it is. 
I love to make people laugh. So I think that's why I tried, you know, the acting first and I tried stand-up comedy and then, um, you know, and I have ended up with where my true gift is and that's just entertaining people, you know. And my shows are scripted. I do reptile shows, I do puppet shows, and yes, it's scripted. Um, But that's the thing, even while I was studying acting, I was doing puppet shows every weekend. I've been doing puppet shows for many, many years yet because I love entertaining. I don't need to be famous but I want to entertain. You get something from entertaining yes. people and the joy so, that they yeah. get out of so it. So my advice is if you want to be an actor and you love acting, you'll go acting anyhow. But if it's just a tool to get famous and then you find out, well, I'm not getting any big acting, then you need to look at a different pathway. Because I've seen too many actors give up um, because they're not getting any big roles and they don't do anything. There are loads of small theatres that you can act Oh, if you love sure. acting, you can act. Start now, like you yes. said, that's a perfect Absolutely. place to start if you're starting yeah. off in the industry yeah. in the indie game and you can get a lot of good roles from that. And, and you your build skills. Your, exactly. You build those skills yeah. up of just being on set yeah. for starters. You network, you end up meeting the people that you like, yeah. that you enjoy with, that you jive with, that you can go on to create other things and slowly you progress and you look back and go, wow, I was there like two yeah. years ago and now I'm writing my own pilot series, I'm doing yeah. this. But yeah. the main thing is you don't stop believing in yourself and you just keep going and find Try the joy. Try different things out, yeah. yeah. yeah don't, get, don't get stuck on this, oh, I want to be an actor. Now I sign up with an agent and you just sit at home waiting, hoping you're going to get a role. That's you're bullshit. You're not going to get anything that way. Because you you're going to lose there. momentum. Yeah. yeah. You want to be an actor, you act. If go the, out if, and act. If act the roles aren't there, you write yeah. them. You write them, exactly, write your own shit. Get a camera out, start acting, you've got momentum. And as you said before, momentum, you're putting energy out in the world, it gets picked up, you're, pick, you're picking up your skills, it's you're getting more confident. Yeah. yeah, that's how you get shit happening. I have a TV show because I've been entertaining for many, many years. I'm not just, I didn't suddenly do an actor, acting course and then got a TV show. No, 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 I've been an entertainer since I was about eight years old. And because I love doing it so much, I've done it for free. I've done it for peanuts. I do it for birthday parties. I do it for all kinds of things. But I'm always, always, every weekend I'm entertaining. Haven't been now this year because of the virus. But every, every year since then I've been entertaining. So to me, that's what I love doing, entertaining. So I do it for free. I do it cheap. I do it for money. I do whatever. It's not the famous bit. But that's, I think, where people get stuck. And I think some people think, oh, I want to be an actor. But what they really want is to be famous. And that's okay. Mm. But I don't see a problem with that. But if you know good at acting, you're never going to be famous. So try and be famous a different way if there's that's a, what your goal is. Where there's a will, there's a way. You'll find that there's plenty of ways to be famous. And yeah. it doesn't always have to be the good ways, but yeah. there's plenty of ways, you know. But you have to see what your end thing is. And yeah. my end thing is I want to entertain people in a positive way. I will never do any TV shows or anything that is drama or negative or putting other people that you don't down. Believe in, yeah. now, I, well, I, I'm not going to be part of this industry that is creating negativity on social media and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know where they deliberately, we, we married at first sight. I'll, I'll say it, I hate it. I won't yeah, watch it. I think it, it. I can't stand it. Yeah. Um, I will not be part of any of these kind of shows whatsoever. Um, I think they're terrible and I, I feel really deeply sorry for the people that get roped in it. Well, they get exploited and they yes. kind of signed on for that and that's a part of that fame thing. I think that five seconds yeah. of fame, that's going to live with you forever because they've just put it on TV and they've just completely exploited you and cut out things of what you've said and put it all together. Together, but that's reality TV and it does go in a dangerous light sometimes these it. days. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to... Because I think what people forget is when they're creating drama on TV, the people watching this actually believe it. They absolutely 100%. Oh, it's 100%, like fake news. Yeah. yeah, but then they'll go and they'll attack the family as well. So it, it, it's not just that yeah. one person. And it's, you can't just say, 
oh, they signed up, they knew it. No, they didn't. They, look, and even if they did, they made a mistake. Do they really deserve to have the bullying that's going on and, you know, the, the comments? No. Their parents are reading that. Their siblings are reading that. Their friends are reading that. And they're believing it that. as well, yeah. It, oh, it's, no, it's, I, hate, I hate where it's going. I yeah. really hope something big happens and we get rid of all of these shows because they really are only about ratings. And it just shows how shallow people can be that they, that this married at first sight, that people actually believe they're really married. I mean, the way they even talk, the language, he's cheated on her. What do you mean he's cheated? He just met her. They're not really married. Oh, no, no, he's a cheater. He's married to her. He shouldn't, no, they're not really married. Hello. Yeah, half the time they're (laughs) acting, but they're terrible actors. (laughs) But yeah, so yeah. they can find the Snake Boss show on Amazon. Amazon at the moment. Prime, yeah, absolutely. Oh yes, I, I, I guess it'll probably stay on there. So anybody can watch it now. Yep. You you be a member or you download it. I think it's a dollar ninety nine. I don't yep. know. It's well worth it, yeah. And you can Absolutely. find a lot of the trailers and the clips on YouTube, I know, because I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so your book's coming out soon. Yeah, Look so, out for that yeah. and there, there's things happening. And I do them. reptile shows, so if you've got any birthday parties, I'm starting to get a few inquiries in now. So if you've got birthday parties, schools, childcare centres. Um, I also do Punch and Judy puppet shows, so I still do puppet shows. I do reptile shows. Um, when the book comes around, uh, comes out, I'll be touring around and reading it at libraries and stuff. I'll have so to come for a reading then. Yeah. I want to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's awesome. It's in a picture book, so but it's cute. Oh, it's great. For the yeah. kids, though, that, that's an awesome yeah. thing. And it educates them on snakes and things like that as well. Like Little to bit. a certain, yeah. certain extent, as much although as you, you can't need. be a snake as much as you want to be a snake. But <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on, Julia. You're welcome. Thank you. Righto. That's us. We're out. Woo. We did it. Another podcast done. Man, that was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Julia is crazy for handling all those snakes. You would not catch me doing that for a job. That's for sure. But goddamn, I got a lot from that podcast. She's awesome. She's such a charismatic guest to have on, and I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Once again, if you'd like to show us some love, please hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel or follow us on Instagram, Going Deep with Dan Good, or my own personal account, Dan Triple underscore Good. Guys, we've got some awesome guests lined up next, so please keep listening. Man, I love the support, and just keep doing what you're doing. Keep grinding. Till next time. Peace.